Welcome to Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Casey Phillips and Scott Smith here. And this, of course, is where we take all of your questions. So make sure you put those in the comment section underneath the live Facebook video. That's how we'll get a chance to see some of those while we give people a chance to do that. Uh, we've had some roster moves this week. Figured we'd, we'd start with that. Yeah, you know, the receiving core was getting a little thin there. <laughs> Mike Evans obviously pulled that hamstring at the end of that 61-yard touchdown catch, which is really a shame. Uh, but if you're going to go out, you know, that's yep. one way to go on a, out. On a good play. He uh, he didn't come back, and from the moment the week began, head coach Bruce Arian said he, it was very doubtful Mike would play. So, I mean, let's just assume we're not going to have Mike. And the week hasn't started yet, but Scotty Miller's missed the last two weeks with his own hamstring injury, and that leaves you with just three healthy bodies at receiver, and that's not enough. So the Buccaneers promoted Ishmael Hyman from the practice squad. And he's a guy that's been around since about week four, um, played a little bit in the uh, – what AAF mm-hmm. uh, and um, you know obviously he knows the system now so he can step in and if you need some snaps from him yeah so, yeah and to make room to put TJ Logan on injured reserve that was an easy move because he broke his thumb last Friday and at the time coach Arian said he was done for the year so we knew it was, that was eventually going to happen right yeah that's a great point um and I know that I'm going to head this off before we get <laughs> a million questions I know what you're going to say we, yeah we know that there were uh, a lot of potential injuries from that game and I'm sure that a lot of the questions are going to be you know, about is Mike's James hamstring. Yeah, is Jameis going to play? Is Mike going to play? Is Donovan going to play? So I will let you give the blanket <laughs> disclaimer well, as we get those it's questions. It's a bigger day. It's just we, we end up talking about this almost every week because of the timing of this show. Uh, it's before we start practices on Wednesday, and that means it's before we have any real injury updates possible. The best time, I would suggest watching Bruce Arians press conference on Buccaneers.com after practice, which would be about 3.30, I think. That's when he'll give us some updates, and a little bit later in the afternoon, we'll have injury reports that tell you, was the guy limited? Did he play at all? But yeah, it is a big day for that. We're going to find out. uh, You know, we already think we have a feel for Mike Evans, but we're going to find out just how much we have to worry about Jameis Winston and Donovan Smith for the weekend, and those are two, it would be hard, you'd be hard-pressed to find two players at positions that would be tougher to deal with their absences, especially with Mike already out, right? Right. I mean, if you were just to choose two, those would would be near the top of the list. That's a very good point. Um, How about the idea of... We got to see, you know, with because of Jameis's injury, we finally saw Ryan Griffin get a couple. Kind of. Sort of. Hey, there, it's. I'm sure he views it as real stuff when he oh, hadn't for gotten sure. into yeah. a game. But, um, yeah, we got to see him out there for just just a few plays. But wanted to, in that teeny tiny sample size, wanted to hear what you thought of his uh, NFL <laughs> debut. Yeah, I would say that um, Ryan Griffin technically finally got into a game and threw some passes in the regular season, something that we've been waiting for for almost five full years now, which is incredible that it happened that way. Uh, but I also wouldn't say that he actually got his shot. You know what I'm saying? He didn't mm-hmm. really get his shot. He was in for one drive, threw four passes. Um, according to, uh, I guess, did Coach say something on the radio show about he, he knew where the check down was on that one play Right, or yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, he looked poised. He just it, it wasn't nearly enough sample size to say one thing or another. Yeah. We kind of – I don't know if you agree, but I think you do. We got to think he'd he'd be fine if he had a full game to play. Mm-hmm. And maybe he will this weekend. Yeah, you never know because it all is going to depend on those injuries, which, again, disclaimer, we do not know. <laughs> we do not have the information on, unfortunately, because there's never anything until the first injury report on Wednesday and when talk, you know, maybe coach will talk after practice. Yeah. But, um, so Austin asked, uh, are there any big fish free agents that the Bucks should or could go after? And I'm thinking – I'm hoping he means after the season. I highly doubt that that's the thing that would happen now. Although you, you can't. know, yeah. You so can't, after they're released. Um, well, I think the the bigger issue there is from our own guys who's going to get resigned, and I haven't really studied the list of, of impending possible free agents, but it's almost a little bit 
useless at this time of the year because you have to figure out which teams are going to maybe use their franchise tags on mm. guys and then which teams will make successfully re-sign their big free agents. So the list as it looks now, like if you were to make the list right now, you'd have Jameis Winston on it. Mm-hmm. But maybe something happens with us and Jameis before that. So I think it's more of an issue of, of choosing – or not choosing, but figuring out and convincing which of the guys that are our own free agents that you can get back, like Shaq and Indomitian Sue and so on. Right, that's a great point. Um, I, I, I thought it was interesting after the game that I heard a lot of the guys saying things like, if this game had happened in years past or maybe even earlier this year, they don't think they would have yeah. won. So where do you think they're getting that idea? What is it about what this Bucks team has now become in, in the last couple of weeks that let them pull a game out where you have early turnovers, you're down double digits multiple times, and you still end up finding a way to come back well, and win? Well, it, it didn't hurt that they'd won three of their previous four games. So you talk about a culture change. Most coaches, when they come into the building – they come to a place where there's been struggles for at least one year, maybe several years in a row. So they come in and almost invariably they're talking about a culture change or people around the organization are talking about how this coach can affect a culture change. And that's good and you do want to do that. And what they're talking about is establishing a culture of winning where people expect to win. The problem is, and as I know Coach Arians knows, that doesn't – that's putting the – cart before the horse. Yeah, yes, yes. Put the apple cart before the horse – you probably need to win some games and stack a few of them in a row before you can really implement that culture change, before it can really take hold. So what I think he means is the guys are to the point now where they believe that they are going to win those games, and they are confident that they're the ones that are going to make the plays in crunch time when they have to, and maybe that wasn't there before. Maybe, you know, we've seen a lot of these games in the last few years, and you get that, oh, man, feeling. And I'll I'll tell you, just from personally, after – Jameis threw the go-ahead touchdown pass to Brashad Perryman. There were four minutes left in that game. And maybe the way I felt is the way a lot of people felt. A year ago, or maybe even earlier this year, I would have been very, very worried that that four minutes was enough time for, uh, who was it, Indy to take the lead back. This time, I felt pretty confident. I thought, we're going to stop them this time. And sure enough, they did, without really much drama. It was, And I think that's it. It's it's a belief that it's going to happen. And... It takes some winning to get there. Right. That's a great point. Um, we had somebody asking about the idea. Uh, I think it's Rike is, is how he says probably his name. Probably sure for Enrique. Um, probably. And he was talking about the idea of uh, if we would want to draft an offensive lineman mm-hmm. in the first round uh, next year. And he said, would you go right guard if there's no more premier tackles with us moving down because of our nice win streak? So essentially the idea <laughs> yeah, that there. yeah, as as our as we have been winning, you know, it looks like so far our draft order is going to drop, drop a, little a little bit. bit yeah. So uh, if, if whether or not you would take a, a guard if there aren't premier tackles um maybe not uh because the guys that you have playing your guards are Eileen Marpet who I think you expect to be a fixture here for a long time and Alex Kappa and I think they like Alex Kappa a lot I mean a couple times this year he's had to miss some time with injuries and that's mm-hmm. when he just missed the last game but I think they like Alex Kappa and he's only in his second season so I'm not sure that you're thinking of a plug-and-play situation right there and and there's nothing wrong Believe me, with with still taking a great player at a position where you already have two starters, that's fine. So I wouldn't rule it out, but I would rather see us get a tackle, particularly thinking that DeMar Dotson is going to become a free agent and he's pretty pretty far up there in the years now. And uh, it would seem like the most likely position on that line where you might have a change soon. Right. So uh, if there's not a, t- a premier tackle or a tackle you really like there, and remember, 
is we're talking about a right tackle, and that's probably here. So you can find those in the mm-hmm. middle of the first round. Uh, then I might go somewhere else, best player available or some kind of pass rusher, depending upon what's happening in free agency. Okay. Uh, we saw nine different players catch a pass on Sunday. I know. Uh, what did you think that said about this offense and then just overall how you've seen – them sort of does it seem like they've finally really clicked and understood this new system does does it feel like sort of a turning point has happened well some of it was by necessity because mike was out right the first quarter so other people had to run the routes that he was running and catch the passes get the targets that he would have been getting Uh, but six guys also had 48 or more yards and there were a number of guys making plays downfield including oj howard and prashad perryman and i think it's more you know, it really comes down to the quarterback more than those guys. Right. You know, coaches said over and over again when people were a little down on Brashad because his numbers were almost non-existent for the first seven games, it's like he's not doing anything wrong. He's doing what we're asking him to do. The ball's not finding him. Mm-hmm. Well, the ball's not finding him now, and I think maybe maybe it's Jameis being more comfortable in the system mm-hmm. rather than the receivers and being able to get to second and third reads and so on. But, again, some of it had to do with opportunity, and, and that's always going to be the case when, like, remember the New Orleans game when they were basically doubling both Mike and Chris, and that created opportunities for the guys in the middle, like OJ and Cam, I think it was in that game. And so it's your quarterback taking advantage of what the defense gives them, and then you're finding out you got to have players, good targets that can help him do that, and you're finding out, hey, Brashad Perryman really is a guy that can give you big plays, and what we've expecting to see from OJ Howard all along is there. And then you got, you know, the quarterback sometimes making good decisions with dump-offs to, like, Dario Gumbawale. I think it's a mixture of all that. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Uh, Brody said, all the DBs seem to have more confidence now. Has much changed in the schemes or just the amount of playing time making them better? Yeah, it's the latter. The scheme hasn't really changed. Um, It's the playing time, playing together, and also, as we've talked about several times, all the extra work they've been putting in in the last, say, month with Todd Bowles, watching more tape, becoming more familiar with what the opponent is going to try to do, which allows them to react and anticipate and, you know, play faster and more instinctively. And that's, I mean, that you would expect that to develop for any one given young defensive back. We just happen to have a whole bunch of them out there on the field. So the fact that they're all gelling together now is very encouraging. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us on this edition of Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll see you next week.